Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven, and we're very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we're going to have another very interesting show. We are on location in Sedona, Arizona, with a very special woman. She's actually a mom. She's a mom of six children. Her name is Israel. That's a name that has been growing in her and through her for many, many years. And she'll be telling us a story about her life as a woman, as a mother, as a Mormon, and the way she has grown and evolved through a most extraordinary time and experience of herself, of spirit, of creator. And let me at the same time introduce someone who is very dear to her, who helped to precipitate and facilitate this mass change in her life. And that is the one sitting between us. And that is known as Her Highness. I know this is an unusual set for us here at A Better World, but there's a reason behind it. And as the story unfolds, you will understand more and more about what this is all about. As you know, on A Better World, we love to bring people on who are walking their talk, living the true story of their lives with authenticity. People who are making a difference in the world through the simple, beautiful acts of them being themselves. And here in Sedona, Arizona, we have found yet another such one. <laughs> God bless, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Mitchell. Absolutely. Now, if you would just tell our audience, what is it that has brought you to this point in your life? You were living first a relatively simple, normal, so to speak, nor uh, Mormon life mm -hmm. with the children that come with that, etc. And then what, what happened? There were mm -hmm. a series of events. Well, first of all, I'd like to say I was a single mother. That's a whole different ballgame. That is and, true. And so... Um, were you one uh, wife of several, as in the Mormon way? No. Okay. No, no. So one father. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, <coughs> but the thing that really started me on this journey to Her Highness Mitchell was about 13 years ago, I started struggling with an illness that was potentially life-threatening and I've always had a really close relationship to Creator and, and was always a seer and um, in this particular situation I, I felt like there was the potential of dying and I was really... You were a seer back when you were within the mainframe of the Mormon church and you knew that about yourself? Yeah, I've always been a seer. Okay. I mean I lived it very carefully. Mm -hmm. A closet seer. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, right through the cracks. <laughs> right. Um, so I remember coming home from the doctor, and I looked at my youngest, which was th who was three years old, and I just said, "I'm not dying. I'm just not. I've got all these children." And I remember just screaming and saying, "Creator, I am not dying." And a voice said, "Then come with me on a journey." And I was taken on a journey, and it wasn't an easy journey because, again, being Mormon, there was the structure of that. I really had to step outside of that, and that's scary when you've lived your life a certain way. Sure. But I was taken on this amazing healing journey. Within six months, I was healed. And I had developed another level of relationship with Creator, Heavenly Father, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. that. 
and it was amazing to me. So for two years, I kept walking in the, in the realm of the Mormon world and then in the spirit realm. And um, then at the end of that, Creator said, you're going to South America for two months. I what was it that shifted you out of the, um, the possibly life-threatening disease, mm -hmm. though? Again, what I was done, I was shown energy, you know, I was shown, you know, when you're, when you live a life that says, when you have faith, you know, this happens. Well, what happened was I saw the energy around those things. And so suddenly I was shown, like, if you do this and this, this energy is going to be created and then you can use it on your body. So I was shown energy oh, and I how see. to use the energy to heal myself in the different energetic Realm. So the heart, the the heart, the heart of the matter uh -huh. is that you had. You were saying earlier, a uh, heart that the muscle was something was eating, eating away at the muscle of the, the heart, the which is interesting because her highness heart heart connection yeah. heart and uh, and yeah yeah. So through the gifts that you were given through spirit, you mm -hmm. were able to basically heal yourself energetically. Exactly. Exactly. I actually Beautiful. was able to see the energy around words and beliefs and thoughts. And it, let, and it really, it was just an amazing journey. Mm. An amazing journey. Yeah. So Then, mm -hmm. South America, you were given the instruction to... I was told if I went to South America that my life would be unrolled like a scroll. And I'd never left my children, so it was really an act of faith. I got on that airplane, I flew into Santiago, Chile, found myself in a little village of 1,400 Malpuche Indians. By yourself? By myself. Never having done anything like this before in your life? Never, never, What did never. you do for work during those years of supporting your six children? A teacher. I was a teacher. Okay. And there were periods where, because I have a handicapped son, there was even a period where I was on welfare for a couple of years because I had... Um, a son that was born autistic and mentally retarded, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old. And so it was like, am I going to stay with my children? So there was a three-year period of time that um, we lived the way a lot of women live, and that is through mm. services and, um, and welfare. And it was a powerful time. It was a humbling time. Humbling, humbling. Gotcha. But very grateful. Very grateful for that particular um, gift. Of Part being of able the journey. To, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so have a great sensitivity for women, single women, being in situations, you know, that are difficult. I mean, them, this so. is like something that grows the heart instead of eats away at the heart. Exactly. <laughs> you know, grows in compassion. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so. I found myself in a village of Malpuche Indians. I didn't know why I was there. No one spoke English but was able to do some communicating and as a parting gift left them with a center for women and children. And um, like our indigenous, they're disconnected and so there's alcoholism, there's incest, mm. there's all kinds of things and was able to participate in helping them have a safe place. And so that was kind of my That just gift. emerged out yeah. of your being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Did emerged. a little Spanish emerge also? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, about <laughs> like that. Yeah, about that much. Uh -huh. Yeah, very, very little. But so this got accomplished even without the overt language Language skill. of the heart. Language of the heart.
So and then I was shown uh, my my life was unrolled, um, but I thought mm -hmm. it was all of it. It was just little pieces of it, obviously. I went back home, and then Creator said, Rael, now you're stepping away from everything. And that meant the Mormon Church. That meant a lot of things that were really scary for me. That was what I call the stripping away. And then Native American things started just driving me crazy. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, and ended up connecting with a woman. When you say making you crazy, meaning that energy was coming in was, at you from all angles? I was having visions of smoke and ceremony, and I was like seeing all of these visions, and I was getting a little nervous about it. I would hear chanting, and I'd start sobbing, uncontrollable sobbing. And you went, until then, you really had no relationship to speak of, overt relationship with Native American teachings None. or indigenous culture here? None not been drawn to it ever in my lifetime. So I had, there was a woman, I had started, um, I had started um, a foundation, and there was a woman working for me in Sedona, Arizona, who is native, and she had a PhD. That was important to me, right? That, at that point in my life, that was very important. And I connected with her and I said, I'm going crazy. If, if menopause is Native American stuff, just tell me, you know? And if not, help me, <laughs> you know? I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. And she looked at me with these wise eyes and she said, I'm not gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you the tools. And then you're gonna find it for yourself because that's who you are. So she gave me these tools. I went in the back bedroom and I had the most profound past life experience. Now this is a stretch because I don't believe in past life, you know. So I had to have a lot of proof, you know, there was a, had to be a lot of proof and mm -hmm. I was given the proof. It was so vivid, Mitchell, I could smell the smoke. It was so vivid, I could feel my hair just blowing back as I was riding this horse. And when I came out of it, I knew with everything in me that for whatever reason I was to bring that lifetime forward. All the gifts and all the powers. What was interesting was is that because I was so powerful in that lifetime, I was kind of outside the tribe. Mm -hmm. I scared them. And so then I started the journey of the Red Path. Within a year, I was invited to be a sun dancer. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like the ceremony you don't want to do because it's dancing, height of sun, no water, no field, the piercing. I mean, it really is going through pain doorways. And I just said, no. Are you kidding me? It's a very powerful, I, I do yeah. am somewhat familiar yeah. with it through the indigenous peoples that mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. been fortunate enough to know. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of the audience, just to say, it's an annual ritual that takes place among uh, various groups, especially in the Southwest, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps the Northwest, and it does involve very intense piercing mm -hmm. and um, hanging and no water, no food for extended periods of time right. in the grilling heat of the sun. Exactly. And you got it. Dancing. Yes. <laughs> and dancing and dancing and dancing. Until you drop. And so you don't commit for one year, you have to commit for four years. So this isn't even trying out, if you're going to do it, <laughs> right. four years. Very serious. Very. So I said, passage. no thank you. And the leader of it said, then come into the sweat lodge of the dancers. And he knew. In the sweat lodge, Creator said, you're dancing. I cried. I had no preparation. We started dancing the next day. 
103 degrees. I had heat stroke. I thought I was going to die, and I just kept dancing and dancing, thinking the whole time, why am I doing this? Creator, why are you making me do this? And then the day of the piercing came, and they put the stakes through my arms. And when they did that, and I was hanging from the tree, I had total lifetime memory of having done that before. And all of a sudden, in that one moment, I knew why I was dancing. And that made all the difference to me. No longer was I agonizing in pain. Now I was breathing it in, and I knew why I was doing that dance. I was gathering my power. It was really like my Gethsemane. It was like, you know, that's what it was for me. By the time I ended, I wasn't even walking on the ground. I was so full of power. My visions were so strong. I mean, I became magnified as a person. And I knew that I not only was a sun dancer now, but had been one many times before. So the next time I showed up, and I was ready, and I danced, and um, then some other things happened that I won't go into, but it was my 60th birthday. I was 55 when I started my first Sundance. My 60th birthday, and Spirit said, this is a big one. It's your last year as a dedicated dancer. Now, I'd already been called as what medicine woman. I was being medicine woman to the dancers in a couple of tribes. I had already been called as matriarch to the tribe that I was dancing what with. What tribe? It's a rainbow tribe. It's a small family tribe. So I'd already gone through all of those doorways. And now, Creator said, now your 60th year, your last year as a dancer. The morning of the New Year's Day evening of my 60th birthday year it was November, my birthday, but January. That night, a buffalo came to me in Dreamtime. And I thought, well, that's nice. I've never been connected to the buffalo, you know. But, And that buffalo kept coming to me night after night after night. <laughs> and finally, you know, I'm just going, what do you want? Because it wouldn't say anything. It just stood there looking at me. And the buffalo said to me, I want you to take me. And I went, take you, as in kill you? And the buffalo said, yes. And I said, not in a million years. I've never killed anything. And so it continued to come to me. Wouldn't leave me alone. <sighs> and I finally said, look, if this old white woman can find a way to take a buffalo in the old way, I'll take you. Within two weeks, I had a call from the leader of one of my ceremonies saying, I found a herd of 200 buffalo. And I went, oh, no. I was counting on not finding a buffalo. <laughs> so we went. So it wasn't that particular buffalo that was calling you to kill it. It was a buffalo. It was a buffalo. So I went to where the herd was, and I went there, and oh my gosh, these buffalo were so sad. I thought I'd walk up there, and they go, it's Israel, it's Israel, and they all ran away. And I'm going, wait a minute, you come to me at night, and you're not even showing up here. And I realized the buffalo had been raised to be killed. That's, and they were not happy. And I said, my buffalo isn't here. My buffalo is free and amazing. Oh. So I had to go to the bathroom. And I asked if I could use the bathroom. I went into the bathroom. 
In the bathroom, 200 buffalo spirits came charging through the door. I mean, that bathroom was so full, and they were crawling all over, they were just crawling over each other, baby ones, medium ones, and they were all saying, please take me, please take me, let us remember what it is to be honored. Nobody honors us anymore, please, please, please. I just started crying, and I was sobbing. I came out, and I said to the man, I said, can I take a buffalo any way I want? And he said, yeah. And right then I picked the day. And then that's when I started preparing. Were these buffalo, you say they were raised to be killed. Mm -hmm. Do you mean for, for their meat? No, just for the hunt. Not for their meat, just for the, for the hunt, hunt. By whom? Hunters, people who want to shoot a buffalo, people who want to oh, shoot a deer. Okay. They're raised to be hunted by somebody who says, I want to hunt a buffalo. For the sport? For the sport. Okay. For the sport. And the buffalo knew that. And the buffalo they knew that. They knew that. Of they course. knew that. And plus, they're not even honored now in even the ceremony of the indigenous. They're not taken the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so three months of preparation, um, the man showed himself. The buffalo came in dream time to the man who was going to hunt it because I didn't know how to shoot a gun. And um, so he showed up with a musket. And um, mm. nine people were called. And I said to the buffalo, you call the people for the hunt. Nine people were called by the buffalo. The morning of the hunt, at sunrise, we did a sweat lodge. In that lodge, the buffalo came and literally shouted, if you're not ready to carry me, get out of this lodge right now. And when it shouted, I used the same thing. And everyone in the lodge had to like stop and say, what does it mean to carry the buffalo? Well, each person said, yeah, they would do that. We walked out of the lodge, and the hunter said, would you please gather here? And he said, I've been trained to hunt my whole life. I was raised as a boy. And he said, I will not take the blood of this buffalo until I offer my own blood. And he took the knife, and he cut his hand, and he put it on my forehead, and he said, after this ceremony, I will never kill another thing. So then we all went to where the buffalo was. The buffalo were down in a valley, and so we started up high. We started drumming and singing and praying. Not one buffalo moved. Now before when we came, they all left. Not one buffalo moved. We went down further, singing and praying. Finally, everyone stayed here, and just Steve, the hunter, and I went down into the valley, and I was looking for the buffalo. I knew it was a young female because I'd be wearing her in ceremony on mm. my head, even though it was the male who had come to me in dream time. Mm -hmm. I saw Her Highness under a tree, and I went, there she is. And she turned around, and she switched her tail at me and just took off. <laughs> so the hunter followed her. I went down and was warned, don't go near the buffalo because they're not happy with two-leggeds. So I was standing right at the bottom, and all of a sudden, the big male buffalo came to me, and it stood from here to there, like 20 foot, and just looked me in the eye. That buffalo stayed there until the shot sounded, and in that moment the shot sounded, he nodded his head like that, turned around, and walked away totally giving me permission. We carried Her Highness up on the mountain, again singing and praying over her. I put my hand on her head. 
and as I put my hand on her head, a ripple went up my arm. And I felt it, and I could see it. My chest came out. And I know it sounds wild, but her heart came into me. And I was watching it, and I just was watching it. And I said, can this even be happening? And my chest was going in and out. Her heart came into me. All of a sudden, a pain went into my neck, and I realized to take her heart, I had to experience her death. And I started screaming because I felt the bullet come in through me. Oh. It was amazing. I skinned her with a stone that was from an old ruin and we put her up and skinned her. It was amazing. I held her head when everything was taken and I felt I felt like I was with I felt like I was with God. That's I just felt so sacred. Every organ was taken out and placed in my hand prayed over. Mm. I promised her I was covered with her blood and I was holding her and oh. I promised her every part of you will be honored every drop of blood every bone, every hair will be honest. I promise you it will be honored I took her and I carried her to the car and took her to the man who was going to work with her I took all of her organs and everything to the car I kept those for three months for the ceremony when I got to the ceremony, which was my last year as a dancer, I went out and the leader said, Israel, may we eat her heart. And I thought about it and I thought, okay, because I knew I was going to put her organs and blood in the fire and in the earth. And I thought, this feels right. So I went to prepare her organs for and to find the heart because I was going to cook it. So I put her heart in the water. And I was opening up the rest of the organs because they had all been frozen. There was another heart. And I went, wait a minute. If this is a heart, what do I have in the pan? And I went to the pan and I held them. And it was two hearts. And I went, how can this be? And I'm looking at them. And I walked over to the leader of the ceremony and I said, there's two hearts. And his face had the most shocked look. There was a shaman from the land we were dancing on who had just been sharing the story of the time of the two hearts. When mm. two hearts would come forward in one being, and it was the sign of the time. And he brought the, the shaman came over and he looked at me and he said, Do you know what this is? And I'm just going, I don't know. By then I was between the worlds. I couldn't take it in. It was just too yeah. much for me. So I prepared the hearts, and I took them into the ceremony. Dancers had gathered from Canada, from mm -hmm. all over, and we passed the two hearts, and they ate the two hearts. So immediately the two hearts just spread, you know, to Africa, to Canada. I danced that's the next morning. The wind came, and it shredded every teepee. It shredded everything, and we had, as dancers, we had to be out there like the buffalo. No protection, no covering. Four days, it rained, it snowed. Every one of the elements were there, and it was so strong, and I just felt the buffalo so strong. And I would be out in that weather, and I would just be, I am the buffalo, and I'm out just like the buffalo. When I came through the arbor at the end of the dance, Creator said, you are now buffalo woman with two hearts. And I said to Creator, what 
is this two hearts you have to tell me? And Creator said, the two hearts is the coming of heaven and earth. It's the balance of the male and the female. It is the old and the new coming together, the old and honoring, the new and miracles and magic. It is the time and you will carry with Her Highness the two hearts. Mm. It has been, since that time, miracle after miracle. And so, walking with Her Highness in the two hearts has mm. been amazing. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary story. I had a woman in ceremony, an old woman, her grandmother, was the only child left, I believe, standing at an Indian massacre. And she was standing in that circle, and she came up to me and she said, I know you wonder why you're carrying the two hearts. This old woman, and I'm going, yes. And she looked at me and she said, because you said you would. That was so perfect. <sighs> you're a simple Mormon woman, being a mother. And life led you through one of the most extraordinary experiences possible of relating to yourself in such a different way, to your creator, and to another species, another species, that you entered that spirit. You, in a sense, left your human nature for a while to receive. That's how I see what's going on to receive the consciousness of another species on Creator's Earth, and thereby to be empowered to step outside of everything and look in and see the hearts of all beings as one and the same mm. pulsing, pulsing heart. Mm. It seems to me that now I feel like I understand why you are leading the way you are, the way you, why you are conducting the groups and the lodges and everything else because you're here to help people know that humans are but one part of Creator's world. And if we don't step out of ourselves long enough to connect to the living, pulsing heart of others. And this is a time of miracles. The heart was a miracle. Creator said it's no great, no less than the miracles of the Bible. It's yeah. a time of miracles. Expect miracles. Exactly. Be in the heart. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. So Thank you so much for joining us. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Nothing more to say. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.